You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. It was winning day for free speech at the Supreme Court on Monday. In two cases, the justice upheld First Amendment protections. In the first case, the justice found there was no hate speech exception to the First Amendment. In the second, the court found even a registered sex offender had a right to use social media. The first case involved the Asian-American rock band called The Slants. Simon Tam, the band's founder, has said his band's name was designed to reclaim a term that has been an anti-Asian slur. But the U.S. Patent and trademark office refused to register the trademark after concluding the name was disparaging to a substantial number of people of Asian ancestry. In a unanimous opinion, the court ruled that the federal government can't constitutionally withhold legal protections for trademarks seen as disparaging, throwing out a 70-year-old provision as a free speech violation. Joining us are the attorneys who represented Tam and the Slants, Ronald Coleman and John Connell at Archer Law. Ronald, tell us about Tam's efforts to get his band's name trademarked. Uh, this is Ron Coleman. I'm, I'll, I'll answer first because I was involved uh, on, the, on the front end of the case. Um, we actually took over the registration process um, after his, his prior lawyer, who, who, who did a tremendous job going up against what was very clearly a very predetermined outcome, um, contacted me and asked whether you know we we might have a different approach. Introduced me to Simon Tam, and we we did we made some changes in, in tactically speaking and how we thought the registration might be accepted by the PTO, trying to make it not particularly ethnic, not offensive, not anything that could be taken as pejorative. Um, unfortunately, what we found was that the PTO's position was that as long as Simon Tam our client was the applicant. His use of the word "the slants" was going to be deemed uh, uh, um, unacceptable under Section 2A. It was, it was found to be a um, disparaging use of, of a word that he, that he was trying to use in, a, in a, what he described as a, as a proud way. John. And, uh, so, John, take, take over, John. I, John, I just wanted to get into more about Simon and why he felt this way and why he, you know, waged with you this long battle. Well, I think Simon feels very strongly that um, language is a powerful tool in our society, uh, both for good and for bad. And it, Simon felt very strongly uh, that um, the the slur 
which is the term the slants had banned historically, was one that he wanted to reclaim, much like other groups, ethnic, uh, social, and otherwise, uh, have similarly reappropriated uh, slurs that were directed at their groups as well. Now, Ronald, tell us about the Lanham Act provision against offensive trademarks. Well, there are a number of trademarks that under Section 2A are not allowed to be registered, or, uh, or at least were not allowed to be registered. Uh, they, they prohibit the registration of disparaging trademarks, offensive and um, scandalous trademarks and moral trademarks. Um, what we got hung up on was the disparagement, anti-disparagement clause. Our argument uh, to the Supreme Court was that, before even coming on to the First Amendment issue, we didn't think that the courts had been reading the language of the statute properly, and that disparagement referred to individuals, not to, not to groups. This, this would be consistent with the way we usually read statutes. It would be consistent with the way courts usually treat the word person. You can't usually bring a lawsuit in the name of an ethnic group or a racial group. Um, that position was uh, rejected by the Supreme Court, uh, which had its advantages for us because that enabled us to reach what we thought was really the more important issue, which was the, the constitutional issue. Joel, you won at the Federal Circuit Court of Appeals, but that court's been overturned several times lately by the Supreme Court. How confident were you in your argument to the justices? You mean the justice of the, of the Supreme Court? The justice of the Supreme Court, yes. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I think <clears throat> uh, your observation, in the sense of the uh, many of the rulings of the Federal Circuit in the area of intellectual property law uh, have been uh, overturned by the Supreme Court. Um, but this was a case that, although when it first arrived on the doorsteps of the Federal Circuit, was in fact a trademark that is an intellectual property case, it quickly morphed into a First Amendment case that was of constitutional moment. And, th and that is the issue that then advanced uh, up to the Supreme Court. I've been talking about the Supreme Court striking down the curbs on disparaging trademarks in a case involving the Asian-American rock band Call the Slants with the attorneys for the band, Ronald Coleman, John Connell, and Joe McMull of Archer Law. John Connell, let's talk about Justice Alito's opinion. Explain the basis of his decision. Uh, <clears throat> Justice Alito uh, went through each of the arguments that were uh, 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 asserted by the government and and basically it, 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 it concluded that none of those arguments carried any weight. All of them were in fact in violation of the First Amendment, whether that be that there was a government speech issue involved, that there was a government subsidy, that there was a government program, or that somehow this constituted commercial speech. Ronald Coleman, what was the government's position? Ronald? Ronald? Uh, yes, we were not entirely clear on the government's position. Uh, it seemed to move around a little bit, and, and the reason for that was that it was very difficult for them to actually enunciate a particularly coherent position. But it, it, to a large extent, it came down to the idea that the trademark register 
in some kind of government speech or some kind of imprimatur from the government that amounts to a, an approval of the message being broadcast or the message just being registered. An argument in response to that was a comparison to the copyright register where it is understood that there's all kinds of literature that has registered that, that, that has copyright registration, but that none of that means that the government approves of, of the message of, of, the, of the material being registered. Same thing with the trademarks. There are lots of trademarks, lots of messages. They're inconsistent messages. Um, so, that, you know, that was the, essentially the best the government was able to come up with, yeah. which is why, for some reason, we felt some confidence. The Obama administration also said it didn't, the provision didn't prevent people from using a name or image and had no effect on the separate trademark protections available under state law. In other words, they didn't have a trademark, but they could still use the name. Now, let's talk a little bit. Uh, Joel McMull, let's talk about the Washington Redskins. They're challenging a trademark office decision that canceled some of their trademarks following complaints from Native Americans that the name is disparaging. After this opinion, is there anything standing in the way of the Washington team getting their trademarks? I don't think so. Uh, procedurally, the cases are a little bit different. Um, you know, in the case of the Washington Redskins, they had their registrations canceled. Um, but in terms of there being essentially an additional lever at this point that can be pulled, I think everyone would agree, and certainly this is the, I, I, I think the pundits are in agreement too, that for all practical purposes, the Washington Redskins case has been decided from a pure legal perspective. Dan Schneider may proceed um, with that team name, notwithstanding the fact that I suspect um, it's, it, it's, it's going to continue to engender some outrage among perhaps others, but certainly including uh, the Native American community in this country. But from a pure legal perspective, I think the, the issue has been resolved by virtue of, our, uh, of yesterday's holding. John, what is the reaction of the band after all these years of fighting? Tell us what your clients have been saying. Um, Simon Tam uh, has been um, so relieved uh, to have achieved this level of success after many, many years of uh, struggling to assert this principle uh, that he so strongly believed in. And um, I think he needs to be commended for having done that, especially in the face of the government opposition that was brought to bear against him. And Ronald Coleman, Justice Anthony Kennedy wrote separately in a concurring opinion that was joined by Justices Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Sonia Sotomayor, and Elena Kagan. Tell us about the concurring opinion and how it differed from Justice Alito's opinion. Well, uh, to a large extent, it's fair to say that it went further in terms of the First Amendment and so fundamentally argued that this... There, there are a number of roads that Justice Alito goes down. But he didn't have to go down those roads. This is a matter of viewpoint discrimination. Whether or not it's possible for the band to use the name without a registration, whether or not there are, uh, there are any other policy issues, at the end of the day, a government program may not be restricted based on viewpoint. That was all the court that had, that was all the court had to decide, according to the um, concurring opinion. John Connell, so is it going to be a less uh, onerous job at the uh, the trademark office now that this case has gone through? 
yes, absolutely. Um, there, there will be no impediment uh, based upon disparagement to the registration of marks that would have otherwise, previous to this time, um, been disqualified for registration on that basis. So effectively, the examiners are not going to have to be put to the task of being sociologists or, or whatever. Uh, they'll simply be able to do their job of examining whether the mark is a proper source identifier. Joe McMull, in about 30 seconds, if you can, what was the highlight of this long journey for you, besides the decision? Uh, well, yes, right. Aside from the decision itself, I think it was really in the preparation. Um, you know, I, I have been, Ron and I have been living with this case for some six years, and certainly over the last two, we have been uh, elbows to elbows with our colleague, John Connell. And I think just the camaraderie that the three of us developed but in addition to that, working with, um, you know, real leaders in this country before the Supreme Court bar in connection with moot courts and that sort of thing, certainly from my perspective, has been the highlight. And obviously, I mean, we, we joke about it, but obviously, you know, having, having our clients' rights vindicated by virtue of yesterday's decision is, is just really the icing on the cake. Well, thank you for being on Bloomberg Law. That's Joel McMull, John Connell, and Ronald Coleman of Archer Law. Success. It's discipline. It's teamwork. It's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing global wealth management and investment banking firms in the industry. Stiefel. It's where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.